I come to Dunkin' for something topped, toasty, and tasty. Because days like this deserve a toast. I can celebrate today with a bacon-topped avocado toast. It's got rich, creamy avocado on top of toasted sourdough bread with crumbled cherry wood smoked bacon and everything bagel seasoning, all perfectly packed to go. Or I can cheers to a grilled cheese melt filled with white cheddar and American cheese or layered with savory black forest ham. If you're done with your toast, your order's ready. Yeah! Toast your way all day at Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Tom, I want to be specific about how I word this. Tom, I only I only put Tom Holland's name in this, not because of his acting, but because that's how we define this version of Spider-Man. Tom Holland's Spider-Man is by far the worst Spider-Man, in my opinion. Which is very, very um, opposite of controversial. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Inconceivable. I'm William and I'm joined today by David and Gordon. Hello. David is new here to the podcast, but um, if you've been listening to Gordon's podcast called Muddling Through, he's been on there before. So maybe you are familiar with David, so. I'm pretty great. (laughs) Well, let's get right into it. Um, This is a topic that I want to talk about for a really long time, um, being about how Spider-Man has been presented as a character, specifically through the movies. I'm going to maybe reference a thing from the comic or two, but I'm trying to separate the identity of Spider-Man as the movie identity and not the comic identity. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you guys are familiar with the comics. I know if Wesley here, he would rail me with all those things. He he would be a pretty, pretty significant guest uh, yeah. to, to have on. Uh, but yeah. Um, I've read a few of them. Um, mostly, I think, Ultimate Spider-Man. Hmm. read through a good portion of those. Uh, I think I caught a few amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. issues uh, along the way. Um, but overall, Spider-Man comics aren't really my bag. Well, what's interesting is that Spider-Man's been around so long we've seen so many different iterations of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. almost why I feel like it's not as relevant to talk about um, when comparison, because there isn't one solid Spider-Man persona. There. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you favor, you know? Um, Will this include, like, Into the Spider-Verse, or...? Yes. Okay. Yes. And not as much as the other movies, but it will somewhat, because I'm talking about Spider-Man being Peter Parker, specifically. So Spider-Verse focuses more on Miles Morales, uh, which is great, um, but it does also include some bits from uh, Peter Parker, and also um, a few versions of Peter Parker. Um, but there is something very important from Spider-Verse that, um, that I want to bring up later in conversation, so it will be included, just not as much as the actual Sony-made movies. Um, so yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, a lot of people's opinion um, that I've heard is that people really liked Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker. They liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, but everyone really likes Tom Holland as both identities. And I've heard, you know, disagreements and agreements from that, but that's generally what I've heard from most people. Some people don't like Andrew Garfield at all. Some people don't like Tobey Maguire at all. Those people I will never understand. But um, but yeah, so where do you guys stand on what you like from all the past actors that have done Peter Parker? I kind of feel like Tobey Maguire is really good, but I own, I feel like he's like dated at this point. Mm-hmm. Like the things that make the current Spider-Man good seem like well, he's like 
he's like a meme kid, right? Yeah. Yeah, whereas Tobey Maguire wasn't. He's, he's like a, a nerd and a loser, but like being a nerd's changed over these years. Yeah, it like, really it, has. It doesn't look the same anymore, so. Yeah, nerd back in the early 2000s was like like kid who gets bullied, you know? Yeah. But now it's like, this com- means completely something different. And sometimes nerdy geek get kind of mixed up. I like to think of nerd as someone who is intellectually smart and interested in things like sciences and computers and technology and things like that. Where geek is someone who's into pop culture kind of stuff and is smart around those types of things. Well, I feel like Spider-Man's character is both, right? Yeah, and that's, that's kind of an interesting point there. Kind of a little bit of both. Um, but uh, what about you, Gar? Where do you, where do you stand with all the... Um, so I think Tobey Maguire is more consistent with, say, the original comic run, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Parker. Like, it, it, it almost feels like he's from a past time, like not even early 2000s. Like, he's, he's from before that. It, it you know, mm-hmm. even though it's supposed to take right. place in present day. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have any, any beef with his portrayals, uh, from what I can recall. You know, people do make the point that he's not as... Like, his wisecracking isn't up to snuff in terms of, like, what he's supposed to yeah. be in the comics. And that's and why people don't tend to favor him as Spider-Man as much, because he kind of lacks right. that smart alley kind of side of Spider-Man. Um, I don't feel like uh, I identify with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man as much, okay. or uh, is Peter Parker. Um, like, I thoroughly enjoyed the movies when I watched them, but, like, I don't connect with them on a personal level. Yeah. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed... Andrew Garfield's portrayal. Like, I realize that it's not... Right. Like, he's, like, the best-looking and most well-adjusted nerd that anyone's ever encountered, really. (laughs) um, And it doesn't make sense that he would be bullied for any reason whatsoever. Yeah. Um, But that being said, I... I really like the Amazing Spider-Man movies because of his relationship with Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really fun to watch. Um, a thing that you know I really get a kick out of when I go to see a movie is uh, watching characters interact on screen, and like if it's done well and there's good chemistry there, that means more to me in a lot of uh, cases than how good the overall movie is. Right. Um, like if I get a good feeling out of it. Uh, I feel like that's that's fun. Something to really be said about that Gwen relationship is that after having three movies in MJ, we were kind of sick of MJ at that point. Yeah. So to have, I should say Mary Jane to specify between mm-hmm. iterations. Um, Mary Jane is a character we were all kind of getting sick with, and she wasn't, on purpose, the most likable character. Yeah. By the third movie, we were kind of just, like, done with her, you know? And they actually introduced a, their own version of Gwen in the original Spider-Man tril- trilogy, but they don't really like that version of Gwen that much, at least especially in comparison to the amazing Spider-Man's version of Gwen, which right. I absolutely love. And it was very refreshing to see a different take on what Spider-Man's relationship life looks like, you mm-hmm. know? What do you think about the Amazing Spider-Man movies specifically? I mean, I, I really didn't like Andrew yeah. Garfield a lot much. That's fair. Um, there are some things I really did like. I think Gwen was good, and in the second one, mm-hmm. uh, before she dies, when he when she shows up there, and he's freaking out, "What are you doing here?" Like, like I, I got that because it was like a situation of like, like he understands finally this like statement of like, like don't be involved with her, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, she's just gonna be here, and this is not safe." And <laughs> You know, her dad was right. I, I, this is a bad situation. She shouldn't be involved in it at all. And then she dies for it. It's like, it's good. That's, 
the right yeah. way to end things. It's solid work. You killed off a character that wasn't a father figure. Yeah. <laughs> but she was Ooh. a great character. I had something yeah. that did it. Yeah. And I was emotionally really like invested into her. And even though I knew what her fate was towards the end of that movie, I still mm-hmm. wanted to deny it. And I was still really heartbroken when it happened because it just, you kind of just forgot about it in the moment. You know, they were setting up. We're going to have an awesome life. You know, um, everything is just perfect. You know, the movie's come to a really nice conclusion. And then all of a sudden we've had what we all knew was kind of kind of happened in the back of our heads but we just hope wasn't going to happen especially after seeing how well wrapped up everything was and then bam that happens you're just like oh the other thing I'll say kind of going back to um, like characters interacting mm-hmm. uh, I really in the first Amazing Spider-Man not only did I like uh, Peter's interactions with Gwen Stacy I really liked like the two like his two mentors as mm-hmm. well um whatever I forget uh, what the doctor's name is who turns into um, Doc Ock? No no Lizard the Lizard guy. Oh yeah I forget his name too. Yeah Um, but so so I liked you know their interactions and I liked uh, Peter's interactions with Gwen's father as well like I thought those were really I I think it it speaks to uh, Andrew Garfield's ability to connect with people Mm -hmm. that those interactions are really meaningful Um, and that's something that I think uh, is is a big part of the takeaway from the Amazing Spider-Man series while we're still on the topic of that era of Spider-Man one thing I will mention that I think has a lot of people turned off from that portion of Spider-Man as as a whole is um, even though they're not technically terrible villains in the grand scheme of things Spider-Man in general and always from the comics has had some of the best villains in comics that has to offer. And in movies, we've seen that with the original trilogy and the newer ones. But when you look at the Andrew Garfield villains, I just feel like they are lacking. I feel like they're only status quo. And in the Spider-Man world of things, it's just not good enough when you have so many compelling villains, you know? Um, So, especially with the new ones knocking out of the park, and we talked about this on our spoiler cast, um, something I should mention is that even though this isn't a spoiler cast, we will be talking spoilers about the new Spider-Man movies, including Spider-Verse, if for some reason and you still haven't seen that. Um, but yeah, all, all the new Spider movies we'll be talking about in full from this, so... Um, be warned. Be warned, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, me and Gordon had a good talk about the new movie and how we think of Tom Holland's performance. But what do you think about Tom Holland as a Spider-Man? Like the whole, the whole, the whole thing. Spider-Man and Peter Parker, both sides of it. How do you think he is? How do you view him against the other Spider-Mans and pros and cons? Both, both in his standalone movies and his appearances in the Avengers. Yes, yeah. I, I really liked, um, I really like how he interacts with bigger scenes and like more adult people. I actually, I haven't liked him quite as much when he's like standalone. Mm-hmm. Not enough. I dislike him, but like when he's like a part of a bigger crew and he's like the wisecracking kid that's like in over his head like yeah. that's pretty great I actually kind of dig that um, but in his other movies he's been good and I'm glad they haven't done like an origin movie because we've had enough of that we've had enough of like how he got his powers and what's going on like it's played out so they kind of just already started with him having powers um, yeah I don't know it seems like he does a good job yeah so would you say that um, for you Tom Holland's Spider-Man is a bit like uh, the Hulk, where he doesn't work that well on his own, but like when he's in a group setting, he adds a lot to it. I wouldn't quite go that far, right? So it's like when he's in a movie that's not about him, mm-hmm. he can just be funny. 
Like his kicker can just be funny and be nothing else, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Kind of like what, it's kind of like Star Lord. I mean, well, well, Infinity War he's had a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> when, when he's in his own movies, it's it's uh, more for him because like he's got a large supporting cast of like other pretty main characters. Whereas Spider Man in his own movies, it's like it's him, and then there's his supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Star Lord's like. He's, he's ahead of everyone else in the group, but, like, they're all, like, main, main characters that are, you know, at least pretty close to his level of, like, importance <laughs> in the movie. So, so when he's, like, bearing the mantle of the movie, I feel like I have to get, they have to do a lot more, like, you know, normal movie things with him, where mm-hmm. he has, like, worries and things he's trying to deal with that are, like, going to depth about his character. And it's like, those are fine, that's not what makes me love him. Mm-hmm. I like it when he's like, "Oh, that's a cool metal arm you got there, Mister." Yeah, he's like, <laughs> "Like, sure, that was that was a wonderful moment." Like, like, yeah, yeah. So, so you're less about you know the introspective and angsty uh, Peter Parker than you are about like the wisecracking Spider-Man. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like if I wanted that, Tobey Maguire's was really good okay. at the time, and because like, you know. He was a loser. He was, like, actually, like, a, a loser, and things were hard. Like, you know, like, that, that Spider-Man, what, like, they're trying to, like, keep food on the table, right? Like, things seemed, like, desperate. Yeah. Like, things seemed bad. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's like, no, things seem pretty all right. Like, you know, Tony Stark's looking out for him by the first movie. It's like, I don't know, he's not going to go hungry. Like, he's got a bright future. <laughs> things seem fine. Yeah, I think uh, one of the downsides to not having another origin story is you don't get that kind of desperation that's kind of key to, like, Peter Parker from the comics where he's like constantly struggling to like keep a job pay rent mm-hmm. you know have some sort of social life like it kind of affects it in, in the two Spider-Man movies that we've had so far and like maybe like it's mostly about his relationships and but even those like the strain there, there's not like as much conflict right. going on as there was like because in in the Tobey Maguire series, like, they really cranked it up. Like, they really put the screws to him in terms of, you know, something's happening, you, like, your family doesn't know, people you know don't know, and it's really going to start affecting your relationships. In this one, it's just like, oh, people are just, like, kind of confused. Like, why does Peter keep disappearing? Like, nobody really knows. Uh, and the consequences are less dire right. overall. It's like, yeah, they, they kind of tease about how the fact, especially in this newest one, about he doesn't get punished whenever he just wanders <laughs> off. Yeah. Like, like, okay, whatever. So like, you guys are going to point out the fact that Peter was gone for like three hours during like a master catastrophe, and we're just going to be like, oh, okay, it's That's fine. <laughs> uh, or like uh, at the, you know, kind of in the beginning of the first one where he's like, no, so, uh, uh, you know, my weekend freed up and uh, I can do the, you know, the academic decathlon. Uh, I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, you no, no, no. You can't just, like, show up after saying you weren't going to do it and, like, immediately get your spot back. It's like, welcome back, Peter. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think now that we've kind of said what we think about all the characters, I just want to go right into the thick of my conversation, which is I think that... Tom, I want to be specific about how I word this. Tom, I only I only put Tom Holland's name in this, not because of his acting, but because that's how we define this version of Spider-Man. Tom Holland's Spider-Man is by far the worst Spider-Man, in my opinion, which is 
very, very um, opposite of controversial. Yeah. So. The shots fired. Yeah. So in here, in, here's this thing why I want to make sure that Tom's Tom Holland's name and his abilities is not really confused with this whole thing. I think that Tom Holland is a fantastic Spider-Man. I think that he is by far the most balanced out of the two. I still prefer Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker. Um, acting over Tom Holland's, and I still prefer Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man acting over Tom Holland's. However, I think that Tom Holland has a much better Peter Parker than Andrew Garfield has, and he has a much better Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire has. And I think it's it's interesting because they are very different personas. You know, Peter Parker uses Spider-Man as a way to really be himself and to be this person he's just simply not allowed to be in his day-to-day -day life, and a way where it's almost an escapism as when he's Spider-Man, the, the lines are much cl more clearly drawn. It's about him just fighting evil and doing what's right. In his day life, it's all more confusing. There's so much more drama. He's trying to just hold everything together and everything isn't as clearly as drawn, you know? Um, he really likes his girl, but it's not always, it's not like very easy like to make that happen, you know? And he's trying to feel what she's feeling and then like there's there's all different stuff going on with that, you know? And the relationships that he has, not just romantic, uh, Romantically, but also with his friends um, and so him being Spider-Man is like him really taking on a different personality you know so it's very demanding for an actor to do both of those characters perfectly because they are two different type of people that also have to be the same so I think that Tom Holland finds that blend the best out of all of them because I just see too much of Peter Parker in Tom, uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield just simply, in my opinion, just does not make a very convincing Peter Parker. You know, he can act all he wants, but I just think that he was not meant to fit that role of a Peter Parker. Um, and it's not really his fault. It's just like that's this is where he is, and he made the most of it. You know, and I think that he really show uh, he really shined as a Spider-Man, and that's what probably the casting saw in him, and they wanted to see, and maybe that's what they were looking after seeing Tobey Maguire left stuff to be desired from the Spider-Man thing, Spider-Man side of things. They saw Andrew Garfield really like having all that they want, and kind of okay, we've had good Peter Parker, you know interactions let's kind of shove that side and give spider-man the persona more of a spotlight in this and really go for it with this actor which is what i would like to think that they did you know uh it's interesting i think uh andrew garfield is a very uh like modern hollywood spider-man yeah. um like very much like a like a glitzed up mm -hmm. you know produced sensibilities like the, that's the reason why they picked him right. is because like they could have him be like the cool Spider-Man yeah. or this, the cool Peter Parker. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious, uh, like what led you to choose or to to decide that Tom Holland Spider-Man was the the least impressive when you would think that being able to combine like to have the best combination of traits, mm -hmm. you would think that would make him the best right. Spider-Man. And you would also think that having him now, having the whole world of Avengers open to him, that would also really add to it. And I would say, I, I was one of you who said it, who really likes Spider-Man involved with Avengers. I also really like that as well. I think that he works really well. And I think what they've done is that they've made a Spider-Man that works very well in the already established Marvel Universe. And I understand the, the, the way that they've made this character. I understand the motives that they've done with Tony Stark, and it does make a lot of sense. 
sense. However, the way, I, and I don't really dislike it a whole bunch. I think it's still a good version of Spider-Man. I don't hate it. I really still like the movies. Um, that being said, this is kind of a case, kind of similar to where Wesley stands on Civil War, mm -hmm. where you have a good movie with a lot of wasted potential. And that's the way I see this Spider-Man. It's a good Spider-Man with a lot of wasted potential because I see the actor who is the most qualified to play Spider-Man out of everyone that's played Spider-Man before. And then we haven't even talked about the age element where he's the youngest person who plays the most convincing person with his age. Because, I mean, I've also refreshed my viewings on the original Spider-Man movies to make sure I'm not just being jaded with those movies because they were a long time ago and those as they get older get more and more sparsely watched but I kind of refresh my memory on those and watch stuff about that so I make sure that I wasn't just talking from memory from years past watching including the third one um, <laughs> which we'll get to um, but um, what's uh, when it's really disappointing to see the most qualified person, the most like age qualified person as well, which is also impressive because the younger you are, the harder it is for you to do all these acting abilities. And Tom Holland is a phenomenal actor. There's a reason why he's being, he's such a hot ticket item right now, he's being casted in so many things right now. He's an amazing actor. He really fits Spider-Man well as a character and he makes a very believable actual kid, which is also important to the Spider-Man era. And something that we haven't really truly seen from the past Spider-Man. So we have a character who's extremely qualified, and then on top of that, offers something that none of the past Spider-Mans have offered before in a world that hasn't been tapped into yet. So there's a lot of reason to believe that he is clearly the best Spider-Man. But the reason why I say he's comparatively the worst Spider-Man is because Spider-Man as a character is one of the most, if not the most relatable superhero out of everybody, including DC, including all the random other comic things. He's the most relatable things, and it is shown so properly through the Tobey Maguire iteration of Spider-Man with him being Peter Parker and seeing him struggle with school, struggle with life, struggle with career paths, struggle with romantic relationships, struggle with friendship relationships, struggle with work, struggle with family, struggle with everything that's possibly imaginable, and then on top of that, he has to balance this, or it's not even balancing at this point he's just trying to survive and on top of that he has the added like he could be struggling with all this stuff without being spider-man but he has to be spider-man on top of all this and dealing with the, the physical changes involved with being spider-man there's a lot of unknown there's a lot of mystery and there's a lot of things changing and he's being forced to survive with all these changes and it's a very uncomfortable transition for him um, and ultimately, when you look at Peter Parker's, Peter Parker's life, it does not improve when he becomes Spider-Man. In fact, it seems like it gets much worse when he becomes Spider-Man. All of his stuff starts to fall apart more. He was like barely making it through with all of his relationships and stuff like that. And then when he becomes Spider-Man, because, you know, we, we were talking about the consequences of just going off and being Spider-Man. Those were really severe in the Tobey Maguire ones. Like, mm -hmm. like that's the main reason why, like, Mary Jane just didn't want to be with him. Because just, like, just this random disappearing act of him being Spider-Man. Like, yeah, she has a right to be pissed. Like, it's, it's so, like... You want to be mad at Mary Jane because you have information that she doesn't have. And yeah. you can see, like, the hindsight, you know, and everything. And the reason why he's doing all this and why he's such a good person because of all that. 
But if without that information, you can totally relate to Mary Jane and why she's unbelievably frustrated with Peter Parker. You know, it's totally relatable. And just all of these things really encompass a real person's life who has a real problem at home with um, with like parents helping out where he's basically forcing to be an adult earlier in his life and what that looks like like realistically in the world that's something that we just don't see with superhero characters let alone a lot of times in normal media you yeah. know you can even say that like being spider-man is like almost like a metaphor for any particular talent someone could show at a young mm-hmm. age if you're really good at music you start like right. losing friendships and losing like school time and you're just like well yeah but i'm really good at this and i need to push it for all it's worth because i actually care about it and, like, right it's it's an idea of like a potential within someone and the cost of actually fulfilling right. it like no it was really good like like I'm pursuing an ideal and part of the pursuit is going to cost like it's going to involve sacrifice right. uh, in other aspects of my life it's really interesting uh, like you're you keep you know talking around this point and the thing that I'm hearing is that you like the the thing you said was that Tom Holland is like the, the worst you know Peter Parker Spider-Man combo well, not, not exactly. But I, like, I'm like, saying that he, his verse, that version of Spider-Man that we have in the new ver- movies is the worst version of Spider-Man that we have. See, I, what I'm hearing is that they just haven't done with him what they've done. Like, like we're not getting the same kinds of movies. Yeah, so, right. So here's and, the I thing, under, right? and I, yeah, and I understand not wanting to repeat the same stuff. But what so, you saying? so the thing about it is, like, how has Spider-Man in the newer series changed in the first two movies? Has he grown? Like, I feel like he's grown more in movies that aren't about him than the ones. Really? That he, yeah. I feel. Like, I felt like he grew a lot in this most recent one. I feel like. like did he? I mean. I mean, like, he, I figure, like, I feel like he was struggling with, like, being, like, like, the big man, but I feel like after you chose to stay on the spaceship and go fight Thanos, I feel like you already did it. Like, well, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking about more, like, far away from, uh, far from home. I feel like he had a lot of character development there and him as a person. No, no, but, but I'm, what I'm saying is, like, I feel like he's struggling with being the big hero. Yeah. Right? But, like, but why? I feel like he's already faced everything there is to face and it's like like, like what the big rock monster or something like oh no the elementals you just up against Thanos and now you're gonna have to show the elementals like, right, like, I don't know what your issue is right so it's like I mean I feel like there's like it looks like there's a progression but I feel like ultimately at the end of the movie he's the same person at the start I don't right. think that like, like all that's happened is like what He's gained confidence in the sacrifices made for him, and well, got a girl I like him. Like something that's interesting is that I like Far Away from Home more than Homecoming because I felt like it brought back a lot of those elements of challenges that Spider-Man has in his life, and you saw him battle a lot more stuff with like relationships. He really that was a good part of the movie is him like dealing with this relationship, and then also uh, just him just deciding you know how much investment he wants to put into Spider-Man and how much he wants to live his life. And I like those themes because it did remind me of the the OG Spider-Man that we've seen from Tobey Maguire. But I felt like what was missing, which I feel like is crucial, is that the consequences weren't that severe and they were always temporary. Yeah. When you see some consequence happen with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, it's permanent. 
when he messed up with Mary Jane, that stuff carried on, and that stuff didn't get forgotten. You know, when he messed up, you know, with I mean, I mean, this huge plot line with the whole Uncle Ben thing. You know, out of angst, he didn't stop this robber coming on. That directly impacted his own relative dying. That's permanent consequences. We haven't seen anything close to that in Spider-Man. So if you want to give him different challenges and stuff like that, I'm totally cool with that. But we haven't seen as much permanent consequences and stuff like that. The closest that we've seen is this whole plot line with Tony Stark. But the thing, the difference with that is that Tony Stark's death has really nothing to do with his actions. True. So he takes some of the responsibility, sure, but that has really nothing to do with his failure as a person directly involved with that outcome. Yeah. So, like, the character development of the movie, I feel like, is is what, like, the decision to accept responsibility given to you? Because, like, like, it's not like he... Yeah, like, he rejected the responsibility yeah. so much. He was like, wow! Like, like, I, I rejected it so hard, I helped create a supervillain. Yeah, right? I mean, like, look at, like, I couldn't believe... And I, and I kind of loved it at the same time, but it was so annoying where it's like Nick Fury would be like, the world needs you. And he's like, but I miss my friends. You know, it's just like, like Peter, like, don't you see that your friends aren't going to be around if you don't like take well, care of well, well, that's that's a real enough like thing. Cause like, you know, things get crazy, but like your, your real requirements don't change. But why wouldn't you just give my glasses to Nick Fury? Like really? Like, why not? Like, yeah. I feel like you're going to give it to someone. Like, why not yeah. the super spy that's... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like... It's because he only has one eye. <laughs> He's Man. not going to be able to use the glasses. <laughs> I mean, cross like a <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at something like this, right? Where Peter Parker in Far From Home gets the glasses for the first time. And the first thing he does is that he uses it for selfish purposes to take care of this person hitting on this person that he likes. They're... There was something that happened there. He clearly messed up, but ultimately, no long-term damage from that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That's a good moment for, I don't know, like, what they would have decided would have been an appropriate thing to happen, but for something permanently to change from an action, from you him being selfish. imagine if the character died? Yeah! Like, Can you imagine? It's crazy, but, like, think about that, you know? Like, and... What's what's so important, and then when I'm talking about all these like severe things happening directly related to his decisions, um, and we've seen this happen a lot, but we've in, in other superhero movies, but we've never seen it happen on a, on a character that's also so relatable. So we can, for the first time, we can put ourselves in a superhero's shoes realistically, because we feel like if I was given this power and going through these problems in life, which I some people may find that they're going through the same stuff, um, then I would have done a lot of the same decisions that Peter has done, you know. Hmm. So it it really kind of extends the reach from the very unlistic unrealistic thing of the existence of superheroes and what it's even like being a superhero and really blending that as much as possible you know and like Spider-Man has done in my opinion one of the best jobs of reaching to make a more attainable superhero that you can actually relate to which is really hard to do and that's something that Marvel as a company has always been better than DC about you know and that's one of their poignance and one of the things that Stan Lee has always preached about is about making characters that are relatable and I think that Spider-Man is the pinnacle of that and why he is so important and when I see all this stuff and I see him being the pinnacle of relatability uh, relatable characters and all these really crazy consequences and stuff like real life stuff and 
you see them just going really soft on it with the new ones, softer than they've ever been. It's really disappointing to me. That's fair. And sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, go go for Very it. Very short thing. Um, I'd say that honestly, Shazam did a better job of being relatable for like a mm. real life perspective. That no, that was also that was also a really good relatable superhero. I don't feel like enough people are talking about Shazam right now because I really enjoyed that movie. And again, for DC to yeah. come out with a character that that's relatable, that's huge props to them. Mm. You know. Anyway, back to Spider-Man. Um, so let me shift a little bit away from that aspect about the relatable things and talk about the motives of Spider-Man. Because there's a very stark... <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> very stark difference between Tom Holland's Spider-Man and Tom McGuire's Spider-Man. And I'm not trying to leave Andrew Garfield out in that iteration, out on a lot of these conversations, but Andrew Garfield's kind of the middleman here. Yeah. And... It's easier to talk about the two extremes rather than trying to bring him into the conversation. Yeah. So in, Andrew Garfield kind of flows back and forth on some of these points. In terms of the overall, like it just it makes less of a splash. Yeah. So if I'm not trying to leave him out of this conversation, but for the most part, there's a reason why you know these things don't. So the next point I want to bring up is about motivation, and we have the very classic. Um, motivation and the most truest form of Spider-Man from the comics and Tobey Maguire's thing where he was de directly responsible for his uncle's passing which is like one of the only like family members he had left which also they, they do the classic build-up of he doesn't really appreciate him as a figure and gives him a word of advice that he carries with him past death and that's his motivation for being Spider-Man as a person without that I don't, without Uncle Ben's passing in that iteration of Spider-Man, I'm not convinced that he would have kept being Spider-Man. If he stayed alive and he got the powers of Spider-Man, once th things started getting really tough, especially in his love life, he would have dropped it. No question. You know, he just like, it's not worth it, you know? But him being directly responsible for someone passing because he was arrogant, you know, in his own selfish, like, wants and stuff like that and what he thought was, like, whatever, you know? He now has this life goal to set things straight from that one instant, and it's such a very pure motivation, and it adds a lot more connectability to why he wants to be good, you know, and while even though he struggles and he messes up both as Peter Parker and Spider-Man, he still continues on because of that motivation. Something that I like to reference when I'm talking about good character motivations is John Wick, you know, and why the sequels... Is, it's a little bit harder to tap into the same thing because we have such a core, like, defined motivation in the first John Wick, and it's so pure, it makes so much sense, and you are with them 100%, and, like, you're so emotionally invested. Like, it's perfect, and it's hard to, like, recapture that. And basically, that's how I see the first Spider-Man. Even though the other ones aren't sequels to the first Spider-Man, it's kind of like, we well, don't want to do the exact same motivation, but at the same time, it's like, that's the best motivation. Like, you can't beat that. And I understand not wanting to bring Uncle Ben back into everything, but Uncle Ben is so crucial for Spider-Man's ultimate reasoning for wanting to be Spider-Man. And what they've done with the newest one is kind of fade Uncle Ben out of the picture and bring Tony Stark into his place, which what I do like, they haven't done a copy and paste yeah. for certain. They definitely have changed the motivations accordingly with Tony Stark. Um, and I do appreciate what they've done, and I think what they've done makes sense for the already existing universe. 
and it's kind of hard when you're trying to insert Spider-Man in the middle, in the thick of things, you know? So I understand why they want to build the motivation that's from the get-go more connected with everything else going on. So I don't blame them for what they're doing. I'm just not the biggest fan of it. And what they've done is that they take Tony Stark and put this in this position, and Spider-Man is, like, Peter Parker has always wanted to be a Avenger, and of course Tony Stark is the big figurehead, and not only that, he relates to Tony Stark because on an intelligence level and sciences and all these stuff that he's already naturally good with, so he has a lot to look up to in Tony Stark, and without having Uncle Ben there, um, because even though they don't really talk about Uncle Ben is dead in this iteration, yeah. um, he's kind of his father figure, so he looks up to him like a father. So... And I, and I think they... I could be wrong about this, but I think they actually reference Uncle Ben dying and it being Peter's fault. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, know if I, I don't remember. I'm not sure if I remember that, I but... Think, I, I think it was an indirect reference. Okay. Um, but yeah. Because they really only mention Uncle Ben from my re- recollection like once mm-hmm. in the entirety of this new character, which is kind of insulting to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, can I say that, like, I feel like the complaint is almost like the issue with all Marvel movies in reference to all other superhero movies, like like the Dark Knight trilogy or the original Spider-Man's, like, like each movie was an idea to be a complete package by itself, whereas the Spider-Man movies are a part of, like, basically, how can we continue the story a little bit to the next story? It's right. like, it's the point of every Marvel movie right. is to get the next Marvel movie out. Right. Like, if the, you know? So, it's like oh, this character development's kind of weak, or, like, you know, this seems like a little bit like a low on the motivation side. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's not trying to do a whole lot. I mean, you knew who the Spider-Man was, like, when he showed up, basically, in Civil right. War, and he hasn't really, uh, I don't think, grown much from there, because they don't need him to. They don't... And, and, and also, he's, still, he's people, still in high school, so it's like, yeah. they gotta pace, it, pace out the growth. So I, I mean, to be, to be real, right? High school, you, you can kind of grow pretty fast, especially. I mean, this is true. I mean, honestly, even though the Tom Holland is the youngest physical actor that we've seen, I think that he's also the youngest mature-wise that we've ever seen, because Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker is very mature despite his age, out of necessity. And that's always really intriguing to me, is that when someone has to be mature out of necessity, not because of um, because they're just a good person. It's like, no, they they were forced to grow up and they were forced to learn these things in life and this is how they got this way. And you don't really see that in Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And, and that's not so much of a complaint as just a, a point of reference for difference. You know, like, he's not only young, but he's also mature-wise the most young, you know? Um, when you look at actions, especially with the most recent movie, of like, oh, but I want to be with my friends. You look at the original Spider-Man, that's a no-question decision. Just immediately, it's like, no, I need to do what's right. It sucks that I have to miss out on, like, Mary Jane and stuff like that, but, like, that was a much easier decision for him to make. And I mean, I mean, you look at it in the first movie, at the end, he literally has to make that decision. Mary Jane or a bus full of people and he, he ultimately saves both but he goes for the bus of people first you know um and so where like tom holland like he just like he constantly gets all the stakes laid out for him and not only that it's not it's not even like a choice like out of like necessity where like he has to make a choice now it's like he's got time to think about this in a very comfortable environment and seems like yeah I'm not going to do it. When he's told that the world is at stake and that people are going to die and probably everyone on the whole, like, Earth is just going to die, he's like, 
nah, I'd rather be with my friends. Like, if you gave that same thing to Tommy, I'd be like, well, yeah, I'm gonna help save the world, obviously. Yeah. The problems that he dealt with, enemy-wise, were always contained in New York City. If you want to talk about world yeah, threats, exactly. well, no question, you'd be like, well, yeah, I'm gonna save the world. You know? So, so basically, what I'm hearing is that you wish that. And this is going back to David's point about yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You wish that the stakes were higher in terms of like his personal life. Yes, in his personal life, absolutely. Um, and I think part of that is going to would have been if if he was an adult, the stakes are higher because yeah. you are responsible for yourself. You're responsible. You're more like the consequences right. are higher. Uh, like if you mess up because right. you have less of a safety net. Like you're not in high school. Right. You're not dealing with well, high school. Well, that being said. Despite only being high school, the first Peter Parker still had those challenges, and that's but what he was, he was only in high school for like the the first like third of the movie, first quarter of the movie. Well, I'm talking age wise though. If you're wanting talking to like save the real like mature stuff till after this iteration of Spider-Man leaves high school, I can understand that. But I don't think that's a good counterpoint to the first Spider-Man because they're technically at the same age, you know, more or less. So. Um, but it's like it's like the end of high school and like through right. the first few years in adulthood versus the middle of high school. Mm. Something, and this kind of jumps more off of my point of motivation. I think something that's very key to Spider-Man as a character is loss. Mm. It's experiencing what loss is like, you know, especially someone that matters to you. And this is where Spider-Verse comes into the picture. And once I saw Spider-Verse, this opinion about this Tom Holland version of Spider-Man being my least favorite was clear as day. Mm -hmm. Because in this movie of uh, Spider-Verse, it's not just a movie exploring about Miles Morales' character, but it explores what it means to be Spider-Man as an identity and what that character of Spider-Man resembles. And through that, we see all these different versions of Spider-Man and their differences, but also what they have in common. And you know what they all have in common? They have all experienced loss from someone who meant a lot from them, and that defined them as a character. Tom Holland doesn't have that. Yes, technically, Uncle Ben isn't there, but we never see him talk about it you never see that being an impact in him because the thing is that the maturity happens after his passing that's when he has that's when the shock happens that's when he's being thrusted into adulthood and he says you are now fending for yourself and you now have to grow faster than you originally were planning on growing so so for you spider-man isn't spider-man unless uh uncle ben like with, even with, without, without Uncle Ben dying, Spider-Man isn't Spider-Man. Is that kind of how that? In a way, yeah. Like, I mean, like, is is all his character like a suit and a power? Like, is that no. right? So I mean, his his character isn't Spider-Man. His character is Peter Parker. Right. And if he weren't, like, if he doesn't have that motivation, and the thing is, like, Peter Parker is losing people constantly. You yeah. know. Um, whether it's through like botching relationships yeah it's not even uh, just through death it's just like yeah. but like but, you know Uncle Ben was his fault yeah um, you know Gwen Stacy is his fault mm -hmm. or he you yeah. know carries that burden um, and yeah I think I think you're really right that uh, like loss is the primary mm. you know ingredient in a lot that goes on in Peter Parker's life. And they they really pound that idea with the first Spider-Man. I would say more than they have to, but 
I'm not complaining that they did so much with this idea of loss because not only do you start out with the whole direct responsibility for Uncle Ben, but it ends with his best friend's dad now being responsible for him dying even though that like, he wasn't a good guy. Like he now carries that on top of that. And then on top of all that, when he gets back from it all, he learns that now his best friend hates him as a kid. Like talk about like create like Come on, the amount of weight that that's on him, like that's insane. So, like, what a not only was that a fantastic superhero movie, but one of the best carrying points over into the second one that we saw deliver very well in the second movie, and we see that aspect being played a lot more in the Andrew Garfield movies, which was hit or miss in my eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, I think where it was missed for me is that I feel like they didn't really spend enough time selling the bond of them being best friends in the Andrew Garfield movie. Um, I did like the retaliation. I feel like that was acted on properly, but I feel like the actual bond to make you sympathize with them in the first place wasn't quite as there, where for the majority of the first movie, you get to see them be best friends, and that's a well-established relationship, and then at the very end, that's when it all changes. So not only have you added even more weight onto this already emotionally weighed down character, but you now have an added challenge that beautifully carries on to the second one, which I think the second one is even better than the first one, where you're dealing with even more of this type of stuff. Um, and you have, again, just more amazing villains in this as well that's constantly trying him as a character, as a person, as his morality, just all these things is constantly being attacked at all fronts. And we're talking about extreme scenarios, but these are extreme scenarios that any one of us can experience minus the superhero element. The consequences, the, the decisions, the, the, the questions on morality, these are all things that we as people can face, you know? Because uh, a lot of them really don't have as much to do with him as Spider-Man. It really more falls on him as Peter Parker. They really, we've never seen a superhero that really pounds as much on the the person behind the mask as much as Spider-Man. I think Batman does come close. They do have a lot of interactions with, with Bruce there, but it's, it's I don't know, it's missing, I mean, he's a, he's a billionaire, yeah. you know, and he has, he's a mayor and all these things. He's not as relatable a character, so... His, his problems are, are, you know, further up there. Exactly. His problems aren't normal people problems. Right. But in this instance, we're talking about a kid, you know, and what I, what I like about him being a kid is that it gives a good excuse for him constantly making bad decisions because he's not as experienced. And it allows you to explore these worlds of where the superhero constantly makes bad and irresponsible choices and what that looks like. And why I think that's important is that we still see that aspect in the new Spider-Man, but the difference, like I mentioned before, is the consequences. And because the first one, we see real life consequences and it really strips away that label of a superhero movie because like, this is what ha would happen to you if you constantly failed to show up work. You would lose your job. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? If you constantly failed in to check with this person that you like, you like the person would just not like you anymore. Like that's what it happens. And so with the new one, they they reintroduce some of those challenges, but with almost none of the consequences, which again starts to push it more into the aspect of not being relatable. And it's like, some I don't live in this world where all of a sudden everything is back to normal and those actions of me making ill choices suddenly don't matter anymore. Like, yeah, that's a marvel as a whole, right? Like, people are disappeared for five years, like, 
everyone you knew and was important to you, though, <laughs> they also happen to be disappeared. Yeah, don't worry, everyone's relative age is the same. Everyone's gonna be on the same page when you get back. Yeah, but wait. Uh, and the girl you liked? Oh, she actually is five years old. Yeah. I'm nice going, Mario. So, so I have three points. Yeah. Um, Go for it. The first one is, well, the first two, I guess, mm-hmm. kind of coincide. I feel like uh, one thing that's kind of taking away from the Peter Parker that we want mm-hmm. has, has like a relatable like consequences, you know, the whole shebang. There, there are two things going on there. The first one is they're beholden to avoid reiterating on the last two movies. Yep. And I think that's something that was a detriment to The Amazing Spider-Man, and that's something that's a detriment to these movies. Like, they're trying to avoid just, like, rehashing the same yep. storylines, and, and like, if you if you recognize it, it's bad as far as they're concerned. Yep. Um, and so that's, that's a, you know, that goes both ways. The fact that he's a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and so you can't really have like long-lasting consequences if it affects other movies in like the pantheon if you will right. um and so that's another thing that's like you know putting the screws to to you know character development loss you know having him go through all this stuff you know arguably because you have you have movies like iron man 3 where like he's really like he has a really like personal movie where he's going through a lot of stuff but then it just kind of like disappears you know uh as you get into the other avengers yeah. movies um the the last thing shoot i forgot what the last thing is i can't have more than three points or, or i'm just gonna get lost in the weeds uh we'll, we'll come back to it if i, okay. if I remember so funny thing about that right the reason like why into the spider verse is so good is like they don't just rehash it they just re 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 rehash it it's over and over again like no no this is what people like about spider-man they just yeah smack you with it repeatedly the, like, the, the you know, alternate universe montage where he's like and this happened and this is the thing and it's like all stuff from the the toby yeah. mcguire spider that was some of the like that's one of my favorite montages i've ever seen <laughs> mm, for sure well it is an interesting point though right because they introduce all these characters that essentially have the same backstory but they keep fresh not because of the origin of it but because of the choices that they've made from it i mean one of the best things is that we have a peter parker who has had all those same experiences who chooses not to be as responsible and who chooses just you know it doesn't matter anymore you know i'm i'm it's not worth being spider-man and you see what that looks like i think that's really cool to see and one of the best things that we've got from spider-verse is seeing a version of spider-man where he didn't make all he didn't ultimately make all the right decisions something's just kind of good on the crowd yeah (laughs) in the shower it's crying you know what like that's real that's a real state you can get to in life things can get that bad you can make bad choices even if you have these incredible abilities and you're responsible in so many ways like it could still go to hell yeah there there's something that's had that that uh that fall which that was such a good movie what's um so i think what that movie really shows us and i think that movie showed us a lot of things that really lead to this argument and why I think that it's, I think it's totally possible to have the same origin story. You can wrap it differently if you want to, but essentially the same story and have the character make different choices and it be very interesting still, you know? Um, And what's interesting is that, um, I, like I said before, I totally understand all the decisions that they made for this new Spider-Man and Basically, the way I look at it is that 
just didn't do good enough. And I know it's kind of a harsh thing to say, but it's like, look, when you're doing about this stuff, it's not about, it's never been about meaning status quo. It's always about trying to do something better. So I understand if it seems like, well, we can't repeat the same thing, so we gotta do something different. I was like, okay, well, instead of doing different things better, you know, I think it's too much focusing on trying to be different and it's doing something else when it's like, really, you should be thinking about how can we take this already great story and make it even better, you know? Um, and when I look at this new iteration, it's like, cool, you tried something different, but you didn't do something better. And this is something that a lot of movies face with sequels. And again, I'll go back to the John Wick movies, where they have to figure out new motivations and reasons for him still being a character. And I feel like in the second movie, they didn't really recapture that. They did a good job, but they just weren't able to get back there. But they tried something different in the third movie. And guess what? It worked. It was elevated. They found a motivation that was even more intense than the first movie. So they took with something that was what seemed at the time insurmountable and they found a way to get past it. Mm. So basically that's the way I look at these Spider-Man movies is that you have something that's like one of the most perfect versions of Peter Parker in my opinion. It has everything and more and it seems so insurmountable that something can be better than that but that's that's because we just don't have it yet and you have to figure out as writers and as movie creators and directors and producers and all these things so you have to figure out something that we don't know that we want yet mm. and the, the reason why I can't tell you what that is because it just doesn't exist yet and that's how this works sometimes is that I don't know what would have been better for this new version of Spider-Man but I can tell you that this isn't it I can say I think something that would make it better would be like if either the whole movie was more just about having fun which mm -hmm. they could have done the whole movie could have been like about having a good time and like it wouldn't have been super relatable but they could have been a very funny movie which yeah. would have been fine like why I not mean, have Spider-Verse is a much lighter movie with still yeah. getting across a lot of the same points yeah that's true like it definitely Spider-Verse definitely focuses on the lost aspect of Spider-Man like the various iterations mm -hmm. of Spider-Man uh, across different universes like they're it's it's still like loss is still a focal point right. of their like each of the characters you know personalities yeah so so in this movie nothing is lost right like there's no like like there's like oh I don't want to do this but nothing actually happens yeah. like he doesn't have any guilt or anything so like I feel like virtually with what they've done is they've tried to keep all of the like tension of like character growth and also not have any actual stakes or well, it's like I mean you could have gone either way you could have gone like this is going to be about a fun movie right we just had those heavy things with Endgame and um, Infinity War and like here's a light hearted happier movie Spider-Man had fun it's crazy he's doing, doing Spider-Man thing yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's saying jokes to his it's villains. almost I don't like know. having like, the, whole, the, whole, the whole world at risk was almost too cliche where it's like yeah. why can't we just have a smaller threat for once like does yeah. it always have to be the world, you know. But yeah, yeah, and then somebody just like make jokes with when he's funding them. Like, it, sure, why not? Like, you could do something like that. It could have been something that just involved, like he's going on this trip, right? It could have yeah. been a threat that just involved impacting his trip, and it could have been the funny thing where it's like the villain is somehow just always getting involved with everything that just happens to correspond with their trip. Yeah. You could have pulled a lot of funny stuff with that on a much less serious threat, meaning that you can keep a light harder with still having consequences. So, yeah. so kind of like a caper movie where like they're going to all these different places and they just happen to show up where the villain is, yeah. is like trying to do his thing he's like right. god dang it spider-man like so, you're you're always here and i just want to strangle with so in the thing about like a black cat movie actually, <laughs> what's great about spider-man is that spider-man does have a lot of cheese but the way they use it is so great and i think that 
you know, some people, a lot of people, when they think of the original Spider-Man, they think it's it's more cheesy. But I looked back at it, and it honestly wasn't as cheesy as I thought it was. I think yeah, there was more they, cheese. They played it pretty straight. Yeah. There is definitely some cheese moments, but I think that's just because that's who Spider-Man is. And you realize that it's like, that really works. And there's a lot of really cute and nuanced things from the original Spider-Man movies that we just don't not only don't have in Marvel movies anymore but just superhero movies in general and there's a certain charm about it that's just that's something that is captured and that just really even the Andrew Garfield movies didn't quite capture like there's something so unique and great about it when you watch those movies over again after seeing these new ones I guarantee you'll be like wow this is a lot better than I remember it and and whether you like the old, the new ones better than the old ones, you will say how distinctly different the original ones are. And I just much prefer this iteration, being the original iteration of the Spider-Man movie universe, than this new one. Um, and and it just becomes and it's and again, it's not due to Tom Holland's performance. I think that what they gave Tom Holland, he's done perfectly, you know? So all the props to Tom Holland, I think he's done a great job, and they still managed to make enjoyable movies. But just like I enjoy the sequel to John Wick, I still enjoyed the first one more. And I'm still looking for them and pushing for them to make something better than it. Like, yeah, it does seem impossible, but that's what you guys do. You do the impossible. So it's like, it, it seems like it's almost unfair to ask them of something more, but it's like, but that's what you guys do. You look at innovations in the movie, you look at Avatar. Avatar was impossible for so many years. James Cameron sat on that movie for a while until it became possible, and he made something that no one else has seen before, and now people demand it. Until, until so, no, not demand Avatar. I'm talking about like that demand of quality and stuff like yeah. you. You've pushed the envelope, and now that's the new bar. And so, when the bar gets moved, but you just say we just have to hit the bar, I'm just disappointed in you. And that seems like kind of what these these ones are doing. You know, uh, would you say that Spider-Man? as a character would work better in something like a little smaller scale like a Netflix show I think I think so if you give him something like say like I, I really like, like a Daredevil style yeah I really enjoy those series and you get because they're TV shows they're so much more personal mm -hmm. I think Spider-Man would be a fantastic fit in something like that and it's hard though because Spider-Man is a big character yeah and he as far as the comics are concerned is the face of Marvel for the majority of the Marvel comic universe up until um, this point I think I think, um, you know, after, like at, at this point in the movie universe, mm -hmm. um, and even in the comics, you know, Spider-Man's probably more recognizable in terms of the layman, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who's, like, not familiar with the movies at all. Like, they still probably know who Spider-Man mm -hmm. is. But I'd say overall, I think Iron Man or Captain America have taken over Spider-Man's right. mantle in terms of, like, you know, the average recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... It's hard to put Spider-Man in a corner like that when he is such an important character. And in the comics, he is really involved in stuff like that. And I feel like they really wanted to get him involved with the Avengers, and they really wanted to just build these really quick routes for him immediately be involved in everyone else. But I feel like what you've done is that you really half-assed the origin story. Because what I was telling you on the last episode when we are talking about the new one, and about how they wanted to avoid doing an origin story, stuff like that. But you still made an origin story, even if you, whether you like it or you're not. Because the thing you is, you made is an that, origin movie. Yeah. Not an origin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that, and 
here's here, here's the difference, right? Is that you look at Spider-Man, right? He had one appearance before it, so they thought, okay, cool, we don't need an origin story. But the thing is, is that that one appearance in Civil War showed us nothing about him as a character. And I'm not talking about who is Spider-Man, but like, what's this version of Spider-Man looks like? What does his home life look like? What is like his day-to-day? -day, like, we got none of that. You know, what we have got that. Like yeah, yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Just a little spring, because we saw, I think we saw Aunt May, I want to say. Yeah, there, there, yeah, there's the scene of him, like, coming home, and then, you know, yeah. kind of, like, there. like it's, like, the shortest possible version yeah. of an introduction that you could possibly <laughs> Literally. manage. Literally. They, like, they DC'd the, the hell out of, uh... <laughs> Like, I'm going to start using that in terms of, like, rushing things and, like, Oof. trying to, like, shut the app. Yeah. yeah. Um, they DC'd the hell out of Spider-Man in this series. But you know who they have done that before, who is now only just getting their first movie? It's Black Widow. We have all the introduction we need for Black Widow. When that movie comes out, that won't be an origin movie. In fact, I think we just I recently... Mean, I, think, I think it is. We, we, no, no, we just heard that it's actually going to take place, I think they said, between Civil War and before Infinity War. Is when they but it's also it. supposed to like have Budapest in it, supposedly, which is like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, the time, I, the time I think that's a rumor. All screwed I think that's that a rumor. We all wanted ah. Budapest. That's, that's what I wanted to see. I want to know what happened. Um... So, but but what I'm saying is that when they come out with that, they're going to be able to go right into Black Widow and not have to do any introductory things. We know enough about the character, and they could also do this for Hulk. Yes, we've had a Hulk movie, but it's so different than the Hulk we know now with Avengers. Then they make the Hulk movie, but you wouldn't have to do any introductions. Is that Hulk movie even canon? Like, it is. It, it is, is. Yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even made by... Um, it's the only movie in the Marvel Universe that's made from Universe that's canon. So you've got this one oddball movie made by Universal that's technically canon in Marvel. And, and, and at one point, it was the only non... Um, Marvel Studios? Yeah, the only non-Disney one made because, well, Sony didn't re-enter until later in the picture. Like, I mean, kind of, sort of, because Disney didn't actually buy... Marvel Studios oh, so, until, so until 2012. Okay. okay, fair enough. So that, that organization you used to have only that one oddball. Yeah, now yeah. you have Sony in the picture, so now you have a little bit more in the mix that makes it a little less oddball, but it still pretty is. Yeah. Because it's such a different look and feel. I feel like slight sidebar of this that the movie Black Widow won't be that interesting because like they can't do anything with her. Like really? Like the concept, it's it's like the characters. It's, it's one of those she, things where like, man, like, oh no. they don't have that, that many stakes in Marvel movies because they want to keep using the characters. Man, if it's an origin story that happens before anything else happens, the stakes are going to be real low. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean, the, well, it's an origin story after she's already canon dead. Like, I, like, it's I, like, what are you going to do? Know. Kill her? I don't know. <laughs> oh no! What could possibly happen? I mean, she survived. There, what there, a surprise. There is a way to, like, give a movie like that stakes, but it really involves taking things away from her. You know what would be interesting? If it was a canon movie taking place between those two points of time, mm -hmm. but it was a different universe. Ooh. So that that it, establishing a multiverse with a Black Widow movie. <laughs> interesting move. Yeah. <laughs> I Honestly, I think that would be, they could do it in a really interesting way. It's like, the movie's going up, and you're so, uh, that shouldn't be happening like, right now. That's wrong. This is not how that happened. I remember things are different here, and then, like, towards the end, you're like, no, this is definitely wrong. No, Iron Man's still alive at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the universe where Loki steals the Tesseract and disappears. Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> the movie has Loki coming back from her, what? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even. Uh, how did we get here? Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Actually, I dig that. Side complaint about the um, Holland movies, yeah. Spider-Man, the action is really not that good. Really? Yeah. I think it's decent. I think that the, the new, the newest movie is definitely better than Homecoming. Um, but I mean, I'm trying to remember back to the. What's interesting is that the original ones, for the most part, the effects still hold up really well, despite yeah. despite them being especially old compared to superhero movies as a whole. Almost 20 years old. Yeah. And we're looking at the era of uh, superhero movies. Like, that's in, like, the bottom 1%, basically. Yeah. Like, you're talking some of the, the oldest, freshest, like... <laughs> like, like, aside from Batman, they're basically, like, the first superhero yeah. movies. So. Yeah, the actual, the original, the Batman trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy, I guess, that, that has some of the worst action in it. <laughs> like, really? If you go back on track, this is terrible. Like, it's I all, mean, like, oh, it's, sharp, like, poor angles and fast cuts. Like, I don't see what's happening. I mean, if you're comparing it to... The thing is, we've been so spoiled with action movies at this point. You have stuff like John Wick. You have The Raid. You have Netflix's Punisher and Daredevil. You have friggin' uh, the Captain America movies, like yeah. after the yeah. so Winter Soldier and on. Like basically, the Russo brothers know how to shoot action. Yeah, like they can make it feel really good. Anyone else is just like, eh. like, yeah, like like unless you're like literally stunt people directing the movie, like John Wick. Your your action's gonna be a little yeah. lackluster. I, you know? I thought actually the one scene in Batman vs Superman where like Batman goes and fights all those guys. That was that was pretty good. Super top notch. Yeah. Like I was like, then then they watched the Justice League. I'm like, this is so bad. What? How did they? How did <laughs> how they drop the ball this far? <laughs> like, the action was so good in the last one. How's it so bad now? But, no. One thing I will say, going getting back into the whole Spider-Man conversation, is that I think there'd be less of an argument here if Spider-Man Three was good. Because it kind of ended a sour note to mm. that trilogy. Yeah. And the thing is, is that after looking back at that movie, I realized there is a good movie within this. But what happened is that Sony really started to toy with Sam Raimi's vision of this. And he did not want Venom in this movie. That was yeah. their push for it. And it's very clear. The whole Venom thing really messed up the whole sway of it. Because he wanted to push continuously the Osborne storyline. And this was going to be like the Osborne trilogy. And the moments with him and um, what's his what's his best friend name? Harry. Harry. The, the scenes with him, like Peter and Harry, is so good. Yeah. And then the whole full circle of how he finally like comes back to like in forgiving Spider-Man, that is so freaking good. And then you had Simon, who was a pretty decent villain. I don't think he was as good as Doc Ock or Green Goblin, but he was still a good one, and he had great motivations that mm-hmm. made him very relatable as a villain. And I think that if you didn't have Venom in the picture, he would have had a better chance of shine, making him a better villain that was delivered. But there was a good movie with, and also if you take out Venom, you take out all those awkward scenes with Peter the Parker. So all of that's gone. You don't have any of that. So, yeah, but then you lose that great scene from the end of Spider Verse, or it's like, yeah, I this. <laughs> so dancing. And what is unfortunate is that Sam Raimi had still has this plan for the fourth Spider Movie. They just never come. And he, st- he says he still thinks about it today. Mm. Um, and it's, I think that he just really understood 
Spider-Man as a character and how to deliver that and it became so evident when someone else tried to mess with that and how horribly it went and unfortunately he never got at a, a, a told you so chance and let me take all back all things he's like no that was it that was it for Spider-Man and he never got to come back to it even though that he proved them right that you guys messed it up it doesn't matter it's over there's no more Spider-Man movies so yeah, it's definitely an example of like how badly you know producers can mess up a movie uh, yeah you know in the in the grand scheme of things, but I do I do want to say Spider-Man Three is not the trash fire that we all commonly refer to it as. I think that there is overall it's not a great movie. It's definitely not a good superhero movie. It is very bottom of the barrel things, but there is a good movie within there. There isn't the whole movie isn't enjoyable. You know there is good moments and there is good fulfilling things in this movie that do make the whole trilogy feel complete and that is worth watching for. Um, but there is just a lot of awkward and just not great scenes in it as well that just overall super tarnishes it as a movie. Um, I would say uh, this is not comparable to say the third movie of Matrix where that was hardly worth watching. You know, this is hardly any payoff from that. There is like one good fight scene in it and that's it. And it's like there's nothing rewarding about that movie. But there is something rewarding about watching this movie. Yes, there's some really not so great stuff and it's incredibly inconsistent and they really just bit off way more than they could chew. And but you can see what they were trying to do with this movie, and there, and it does come through. It isn't all stifled. It isn't all trash. There is good stuff in this movie, and it does. It is worth watching. Not nearly as much as the first two movies, but it is worth watching in concession with the other ones. Absolutely. So, overall, I think that they're, in my mind, and I can understand why someone could prefer the new one, especially if you're someone who is newer to Marvel and you only know this ex this great universe that we have with Marvel. I can understand why you are more favorable to the new Spider-Man. But when I grew up and I watched it, that's what sealed the deal for superhero movies for me, and not just me, for the public. That was the one that really sold as like, there's going to be more superhero movies. It's, it's hard to think of a time where superhero movies weren't a concrete concept for movies. Yeah. But when Spider-Man came out, that was the world it came out in, and it was extremely successful. And they had a sequel that was even better. Do you know how hard it is to have a sequel superhero movie that's better than the first? Spider-Man did that unequivocally, and that doesn't get enough praise. You know, it's been like what three of them? Yeah. You think? I would say, what, that one, and then there's uh, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Even though Thor is technically the third movie, that sequel was definitely better than the first two movies, so but you've got that one in there. Winter Soldier's better than the first Captain America. Absolutely. That's because they kind of, you know, like, did a bad job on Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. When you look at the Thor and Captain America ones, it's but, kind of just, like, lackluster things. But again, actual it movie. comes back, for me, like, I... I fully acknowledge that they're not great movies, but for me, a lot of the character interactions still make it worth it yeah. for me oh, absolutely. to, to rewatch them. They're not horrible movies. They're just good movies that were just like, oh, now you made a great movie, so of course it's going to be better than the good movie, yeah. but we're talking but, about but a great by, movie by and comparison. making a greater movie, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, I felt like the, the point, again, the, the, the only issue I really have with Marvel movies is like half of everything they're doing is trying to put out the next Marvel movie. So every movie is like a setup for it. So that's what the issue with Captain America and Thor was, is it felt like 
this is like a prequel movie. That's how I felt. It was, it was trying to set up something they had that was envisioned for the future. Did it, does it feel like it kind of would have been served better if they had just taken the movies and like truncated them down to like a five minute introduction for this for the sequels? That would be interesting. Um, not exactly. I just feel like if they put more actual energy into the movie they made, I felt like like they had like an idea of a movie which is good, and then they just give it a really like half-ass job. Yeah, just like I mean, the make thing, the character good, and beyond that, whatever. The thing about the the first Avenger is like it's a solid movie up until up until he basically becomes like Captain America proper. Yeah. And then it kind of falls apart a little bit after that. But, like, overall, like, that that lead-up... And I think it's also one of the... Like, it feels really short. Like, it feels like they could have done more with it. So, like, if they had spent a little more time, you know, in the montage section, like, really fleshing out, like, how he interacts with people uh, and, like, what they're actually doing, like, spend more time with him in the war, like, going through the World War II kind of, you know... Uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it would have been figured out some way of, like, getting the ending to function a little better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so weird bomb plane things. I feel like it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been nearly as lackluster as, you know, we kind of look at it mm. uh, in hindsight. It's true. I feel like it's like almost like a Martha scene where he's just like, the Red Skull disappears, so he picks up a cube, and then he's like, I gotta put this thing in the air. It's like, I don't know, man. Maybe it should have been a situation where he's losing the fight, and he's like, all right, and he just takes down the <laughs> ship as an answer. Like, I can't beat this guy, but you know what I can do? And everyone crashes in the ice. Like, that would have been exciting. Like, why not? No, they decided that he had to put it in the ice for right. some reason. <laughs> Control and... The villain disappears by holding a box. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Loki did the same thing, but he did it deliberately. Yeah, yeah, but that's okay, right? <laughs> he's trying to disappear with something, or he escapes. It's like like he just picked up something and just like what was it like a almost a Deus Ex Machina, right? In, in this movie, like it's. I mean, the the thing is, the the cube was already activated, and uh, like I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start you know apologizing for this movie. Uh, no, so the the cube was already activated, and it was like starting to like it was it was already sparking and going and and so he tried to grab it and that's what shunted him out um but yeah i don't know it, that that part didn't, doesn't really bother me i was gonna say i don't, I don't have a, like, i don't think it doesn't make sense i was just saying like it seems like a rather it's, it's really weak. convenient yeah exactly <laughs> but, like they didn't do anything very good with it like like he didn't, he didn't kick him out of the front of the Some, you know something the that windshield. just me think of is yeah, and it's a good tie-in back to a conversation is you know, a lot of convenient things happen in superhero movies. And I think what I love about especially the original uh, Spider-Man movies is that it almost never happens. Almost nothing convenient happens. In fact, it's the opposite. <laughs> the and that's, that's why it's so funny. Is everything's that, inconvenient for Peter. Yeah, Carter. everything that could go wrong for Peter is going wrong for yeah. Peter. I think that's some of the charm. And I think that's, and again, I think I mentioned this earlier in the episode, just some of what we're losing in the Tom Holland ones thing where things are just kind of working out for him and some things no one really is questioning it like I'll make sure they're questioning like it he, he's, he messed up a couple of times in the first movie and like he messes up a little bit but I think the thing that we would really appreciate from Marvel movies going forward is lasting consequences yeah Boy, so he gives a crazy guy the glasses and it's like does anyone die from that does he have I mean, anyone we, on his conscience like we, oh 30 people died 
that was me. But wow, that, that would have been a nice scene to like, have him have like a realization of like you you would, I you would assume you would assume that during like the elemental attacks that people died, but yeah. you don't see anybody, no. and like it's nobody that he knows. So and, and that's one of the reasons why I really like Civil War is that you see the heroes paying for some of their consequences mm-hmm. for the actions they've done, and it forever separates and damages some of their relationships. Well, you know, forever. Yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of. I mean, I mean, that's a complaint that I've heard. I think Daniel was the one who likes to make this argument. Uh, is the thing like the the consequences of Civil War are almost completely negated by the the Infinity War being on the horizon, where we yeah. know, yeah, they're separated now, but they're just gonna get back together at the end of like you know in Infinity War. It's it's a foregone conclusion. So I mean, there's, just there's no. Same it's thing. a publicity stunt. Like, yeah, yeah they're exactly. fighting. Right. We get it. <laughs> it's like the same thing of having the, some of the heroes disappear that we don't have future movies coming up. Yeah, exactly. What I will say is that very few superhero movies, there's a lot of amazing superhero movies out there, and a lot of them that are super enjoyable and really awesome, action-packed, funny movies. But very few of them reach that, like, masterpiece category of when they they not only have a great movie, but they have that little extra something that just makes it almost perfect. And in my opinion, like, those those movies that filled that bill for me is the first two original Spider-Man movies, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Infinity War. Not Endgame, the, just think, Infinity War. I think you're missing the Dark Knight. <laughs> you could not so, have an opinion. You are missing it, though. <laughs> I'm only talking Marvel. Okay. That's a whole other conversation. So let me know, yeah, DC's a yeah. conversation. So those those movies not only were amazing, but they had that that something extra that really pushed it over the edge. And I and I've always had this opinion about the first two Spider-Man movies, but I haven't had a good enough reason for why it is all that stuff. And I feel like after seeing the new Spider-Man movies and after seeing Spider-Verse, I feel like I now know why, because I can see the differences and I can see what makes the original ones so great now that I see what I'm missing. And that's usually a lot how you find stuff out, is find out what you're missing. So Yeah, you see someone else like, well, it's something different about these right. two sets of movies. So it's like, these new Spider-Man movies, they're great, they're awesome, and I'm super happy that we have, yet again, more amazing Spider-Man movies coming out. It's so great as a fan of Spider-Man for me. But those movies have not even come close to reaching that masterclass category of being like a near-perfect movie that just leaves you like so emotionally like better for it, you know? And something that just really like makes you like fawn over this movie, you know? And when I think back to the first ones, that's what I think about. I don't think of that for any of the other Spider movies. Spider-Verse could is a good argument for fitting in that category. I kind of have to let I, it sit for a while, you know. Um, I am convinced by it. Yeah, you mean I'm I'm like 99% there. I just like I need to like rewatch it again. I've given it a good time to like sit alone and after the initial log, I'll re- rewatch it again and then I can make my final like decision on that. I think I've seen it five times. Really? Point. Yeah, I've, seen I've it only seen it twice. So on Netflix. So it's true. Yeah. No, I'll rewatch it again, but I'm fairly confident that it really does meet that that 
requirement. You know, and I don't think there's any accident that Spider-Man has so many bids on that category because I think he's just that good of a superhero. And so that's why I'm disappointed by the newest ones because there's so much potential being wasted. Not that I don't like what they what they've done, but when I see in comparison and knowing what Spider-Man is capable of delivering to us, it's really just disappointing to see that they have so much untapped potential and unfortunately a lot of that is just kind of locked away now they can't get that they have like i said i like some of the themes that they brought in this newest movie they touched on some things that we were missing out on from spider-man's a character but we are still missing some of the most crucial things one of those things being like true loss as motivation like yeah you can have loss in the future but unless if they have a really convincing way of how that changes him forever as a person it's not going to be as effective as him solely being the reason for Spider-Man was directly correlated to that loss. Him being Spider-Man in this new one is all about how he just wanted to be an Avenger, to be like the big guys. That's cool, but not nearly as good as the original, you know, motivation where it's not a whole bunch of people. It's himself, and he's doing it. And also something that one of the last things I want to bring up is... Tom Holland, I feel like, as that iteration of Spider-Man, I guess Andrew Garfield as well, has had more of a choice of not being Spider-Man if they wanted to because it's not organic. Mm. What is very unique about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is that this one, um, and some people like it, some people don't, it's organic. It's embedded to him. He's always Spider-Man. He always He's had these drastic changes happen to him. And granted, these other Spider-Man iterations have had changes happen with them being Spider-Man. It's not like it's only the equipment. But all that is Spider-Man is always with Tobey Maguire's version of Spider-Man. Um, and he can't leave that behind. Even if he doesn't want to portray Spider-Man anymore, he still has all those powers and he can't change that. So... I feel like his battle with that is a lot more interesting than the others. You know, where I feel like there's more higher stakes for that one because it's organic, you know, because it changed him so physically and all the other things that came with it where he can't constantly, where he literally just can't be normal again, you know? Um, it's, it's, it's so weird looking back at the original compared to the new ones about like, this dude's weird now. He's he's officially a freak, you know? And these new ones, these are normal people. You know, good for them. You know, they could they could put down the persona of Spider-Man and live as normal people, no problem whatsoever. This version is always going to come into problems within his life and always be reminded of that, of him leaving Spider-Man behind because those daily activities where he's forever changed. Yeah. He loses powers a little bit in the second one, right? No, the third one where he battles no, it, with. It's the second with, one. Oh, is it the second one? Yeah. I remember the scene where he's in an elevator and, like, the guy's talking to him about the suit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he gets uh, performance anxiety. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I want to thank you for ruining the uh, MCU Spider Man movies for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I said, I still like it. I still think the great movies. Really? But, yeah. You know what would be funny? If, like, you know, they finally actually do have big loss for, you know, um, the new movies, and Tom Holland's terrible at it. Oh, like, no. Like, he's, like, he's been good for all this up to now, and suddenly it's a serious moment. Like, but he just, he just, he just can't hack it. it. I do think, oh, man. that being said, though, and I think that there is a good opportunity, especially as he leaves high school, to have a more serious tone mm. and for something more of his... Do I think that it will be better than the original? Probably not. It's hard to do something better with that when you've already missed the point of source. 
that being said, I still think that they can do a lot more to make this iteration of Spider-Man closer than what they've done. And I'm not trying to say that that's, they should be aiming for the original, but I'm saying that a lot of those original stuff can still be recaptured. It's not all gone. It's not all bad news. Like, they still can have a lot more. I feel like this news movie was a step in the right direction. It wasn't a crazy big step, but it was a step in the right direction for what I've wanted to see from this new Spider-Man. I feel like it's the same issue as always. I'm just like... You know, it pretends there are stakes, but there aren't, because nothing will ever happen. Yeah. I feel like they could have done something like <laughs> like, a, like a Thor Ragnarok kind of thing, where like, are there really yeah. stakes? Yeah. <laughs> you don't really care. That's probably one of the worst <laughs> cases of the stakes not being real. This is the next movie. It's like, oh, none of that matters. Cool. Well, I mean, yeah, real things, real bad things happen. Like, a lot of characters die, and it just cares the least of any of the movies that happen. It's like, like, they could have done a movie that's trying to be funny, and like, it just accepts that things are happening. It's like, whatever, it's funny. Yeah. But no, it's like, this is kind of serious. Yeah. But really, it doesn't matter because nothing matters. It's like, I, it's not going to be an issue. I kind of hope that the MCU going forward takes a page out of, like, the Netflix series playbook uh, and, and kind of brings things down to, to, like, a more relatable level mm. um, and makes the, makes the stakes more personal and actually, you know, matter. And something to look forward to this new one is that there is a good chance that we're going to see some sort of Venom and Spider-Man movie. Mm. And I feel like the way that they've built up Venom so far, it is, I have been told, it is kind of disappointing that how they did portray it in the original, the third Spider-Man movie, where Peter Parker was the first one to come in contact with Venom before being transferred to someone else. We've kind of missed out on that opportunity of what that looks like with Venom first interacting with Peter Parker before interacting with someone else. It is disappointing, but I feel like you still can have some of those things with different plot lines and whatnot. You could have um, the... I'm trying to remember the the guy's name from Venom. Um, Tom Harding or Eddie Brock? Eddie Brock. You still have some opportunities for Eddie Brock saying that I actually don't want to be Venom and then kind of like just like having a moment with him where they disagree and then that's when they interact with Spider-Man solo, you know? Mm-hmm. But there is opportunities there and I am looking forward to a proper Venom and Spider-Man movie. That's something that hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. So there is opportunities for Spider-Man to overachieve on some things that haven't been done before. So, yeah. There, there's good. still good stuff to come and it's not all bad news, but... Yeah. I mean, I know it sounds like I'm ripping out a lot. The movie was fun. I had a great time. Oh, yeah. It's it here. Super predictable. We're being stakes. super nitpicky about greatness versus greatness, you know? So. It's got it's got a high standard to live up to. So, like, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. Uh, <laughs> and I'm so happy to finally like, really do a deep dive into it because it's something that's emotionally been, like, really, like, important to me through the, all these movies and one of the characters that it's meant the most for me. Um, but as, like, as, like I said, it's most relatable. It's important to a lot of people. Um, and he's a very big reason why superhero movies are the way they are today. So, um, but yeah. Um, so hopefully you don't get a lot of crap for this. I think I have very good reasoning for I'm I'm not even going to throw shade at people who don't like think that these ones are the best. I totally understand it. I'm cool with it. But this is also my opinion. <laughs> uh, I'm less strong with that. I think if you think that Tom Holland ones are the best ones, you're wrong. Uh, if the Spider-Verse is <laughs> the best, then it's Tobey Maguire. I mean, Gordon might disagree, but I'm, I'm firm on this opinion. Even if I'm wrong, I'm sticking with it. I, I can accept those takes. <laughs> those, those hot, hot takes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Inconceivable. Um, if you want to check out more of our stuff, check out our website at geekkind.tv. And make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, 
um, wherever you find your stuff. And then also make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Geek Kind. And until next time, stay kind. about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price.